Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I want to say hi to everybody. And uh, also, I wanted to let you guys know that uh, when we get done at the end of this uh, conversation, I'm going to share a stock with you that I believe will make a great three to five year investment for your family. Uh, today, I want to talk about Harvard University. And Harvard has this interesting thing that's going on right now. You guys know, uh, we've talked to my wife and I, who's also a scholar like me, we came and we talked about the removal of Harvard President Claudine Gay or her resignation, which was a forced resignation. And it was all related to plagiarism. It was all related to the fact that they said, you cheated. Bill Ackman, who's a billionaire Persian capital, came in and said, you cheated, little black girl. You don't deserve this job. Well, guess what? Guess what, y'all? Turns out that Bill Ackman has a wife, his wife plagiarized on her dissertation too ain't that the pot calling the kettle a negro <laughs> anyway i'm gonna break this down for you because i have a perspective on this that relates to powernomics racism and how money kind of drives america so i want you to do me a couple of favors number one give me a yes on the chat if you can hear me let me know if the audio is okay number two uh, uh, make sure you text the word stock to 89748 so you can get the profit alerts. I'm going to mention a stock. If you stick around to the end of the video, I will tell you a stock that I'm buying this week that I believe will be a great long-term investment. And number three, buckle up your seatbelt because we're going to get started on drboystv.com right now. Here we are, clan, the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is blissful, we can turn into intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Voice TV. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I want to say hi to everybody. Uh, we have had a fun weekend. There's been so many great things to talk about, uh, things we we all talked about, Cat Williams and that legendary interview that he gave and gave some perspectives on this, right? Because that was an economic conversation. When Whenever you see black folks sort of fighting like crabs in a barrel, fighting over scraps, they come out of Hollywood or scraps. They come out of uh, pretty, you know, typically white-owned institutions. That's that's an economic conversation. In case you don't know, uh, that conversation tends to occur uh, when you have rivalries that are formed because you are forced to live in what I would call a scarcity mindset, uh, or another term that you can use is struggle nomics. Struggle nomics is not the same as power nomics. Power nomics is where black people own institutions, like we did a hundred years ago. We have our own businesses. We're educating our own kids, and we have enough opportunities for everybody, right? So that way, Cat uh, Williams doesn't have to get mad at Cedric the Entertainer because he. He got a movie deal that he wanted or or Steve Harvey doesn't have to compete with Mike Epps. They can all get opportunities. Well, why? Well, because black men and black women get uh, a chance to do all the things that make us great instead of waiting for Hollywood to, to drop us a little a little crumb every now and then. So that whole conversation was very economic. And I hope that you can see that. So you'll understand why I like to dibble and dabble in all the things happening in our community, because I'm a believer in a fundamental idea that the economic uh, the economic issues, that's our number one issue when it comes to our 
liberation. The economics is the number one source of our slavery. The economics is the number one method that is used for people to control us. And I'm going to give you an example today where this applies for all of us, all of us. Not just not just the uneducated. I'm talking about highly educated, super educated black people like Claudine Gay, who became the president of Harvard University. There are a few jobs you can get as an educated black person that are more prestigious than to be president of Harvard University. Give me a yes if you follow this. But yet, despite the fact that she did everything right. She went to school. Now, mind you, she's not African-American. She's not a descendant of slavery. A descendant of slavery probably would never get an opportunity to be president of Harvard. I want you to just kind of notice this little nuance. In a lot of these positions, like when you saw Katanji Brown-Jackson get on the Supreme Court, or you saw Kamala Harris uh, get a chance to be vice president, these are not African-American descendants of slaves. There's a big difference there. There's a difference. They're scared of y'all. They don't, they don't like y'all very much, right? So they'll say, okay, let's get a black person from Africa or let's get a black person that, if you like Kamala, who's, who's Jamaican and Indian, right? Uh, you point to me, there aren't that many examples of just straight up raw African-American. I'm talking about right out of St. Louis, right out of Chicago. My wife, she's Gary, Indiana, black. There aren't that many people like that who get opportunities at that level. Typically, uh, in many cases, a person who gets a level at, at, at that height of society, that height of white society, I'm going to say that, uh, tends to be a person who is either married to a white person, like Claudine Gay, Katanji Brown-Jackson, married to a white person, Kamala Harris, married to a white person, and or they're from another country, like, like those three that I just mentioned. But I'm not picking on those three. I'm just pointing these things out. Show me where I'm wrong. Please correct me, but this is what I'm noticing. This is the trend. So, so, so there's a difference between safe black people and unsafe black people. It's not about how qualified you are. Uh, I've been very qualified. I was trained by people like Renee Stoltz, who literally is arguably the world's leading experts or expert on risk risk management, and and Professor Andrew Caroli, who was on my dissertation committee, is now I think he's the chair of economics at, at at Cornell University or something, right? So I was trained by the best of the best. But if I were them, I probably wouldn't want to be around black people like me because I'm kind of dangerous, right? I'm kind of a guy who's who can't be controlled, right? So, so that makes me very risky. And I understand that I accept my plight. I accept my role. I'm not even mad about it. I, but I like to observe and I like to point things out so we can understand the economic lessons here. And I hope to persuade you that the most important thing you can do for your family in this generation, the most critical thing you can do, the most, the most relevant thing you can do for your kids is give them some sort of economic fortification. Uh, I did a training a while back in the Black Business School called uh, the, e the, um, the Economics of Self-Defense. Uh, and basically in this whole layout, I said, this is what you must understand in terms of how money is used as a weapon. Money is used as a tool. Money is used as a sword. Money is used as a shield. And this thing with Bill Ackman and Claudine Gay is a perfect example of economic warfare happening in broad daylight. And let me just tell you like this. Here's, I'm going to probably confuse you because I'm going to point out some areas where clearly there was an injustice done. Clearly, Ackman did some things that were inappropriate, but I'm going to also tell you why he's still going to be the winner because he understands economic power just like other people from his community do. Okay, so let me pull this up. Do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Some of you asked, what's that number again to get the profit alerts? It's uh, if you text the word stock to 89748. I'll put it on the screen. Text stock to 89748. I will send you profit alerts. I promise you I won't bother you too often when I send you stuff. It'll be something that, excuse me, 
will benefit you, something that will help your family. So uh, just text the word stock to 89748. We're building audiences here. We're building black owned media here. This is these these processes are very, very important for us to be able to get off the grid and be able to, to establish our own channels of communication. So everybody pull out your phone real quick. Just text the word stock to the number 89748 and you'll get profit alerts. You'll get our $5 a day investing plan. You'll also get a training I did on how to make money without working. You'll get, get a list of AI stocks that I believe in uh, for the future. Uh, investing is not hard and everybody must do it. Give me a yes if you agree that every black person, every person in our community, everybody that wants to be free has to become an investor. This is not optional, people. This is very important. So let me hop in here and uh, and lay this out here in terms of just what's going on. <clears throat> so I'm going to give you a little bit of the tea in terms of what went down with Claudine Gay and Bill Ackman. So Claudine Gay, in case you, you, you probably already know this, give me a yes if you've been following this. Claudine Gay was removed. Uh, well, she didn't, she didn't get removed. Sorry. She was pressured out and she resigned as the president of Harvard University. Uh, so Dr. Gay being the first black female to ever take that position also has the distinction of having the shortest tenure of any president in the 300 plus year history of Harvard University. Harvard has had, I believe, about 30 or 31 different presidents. Out of all 30 of those presidents, they've had dozens of presidents. She is the one with the shortest tenure. Uh, her her tenure as president of Harvard lasted uh, for less time than Kim Kardashian's uh, marriage before Kanye. I think Kim was married. What was she married? Like about a couple months or something like that. So anyway, Claude, so Dr. Gay, uh, she resigns. And the reason she resigned uh, and the reason that the pressure was mounting on her, uh, it started with this whole issue with that little war over in the Middle East. And y'all know what it is. You know what's going on. And, you know, Ackman is from that community. And that community has done a, an amazing job of using their economic power to exert <clears throat> a disproportionate amount of influence over the rest of the world. Right. So they're coming along and they're saying, hey. Anybody who disagrees with us, we're going to call you anti-Semitic. We're going to label you. They threatened the students and said, if you uh, if you protest in favor of Palestine, we're not going to give you a job. You cannot come work for our law firm. Uh, right. All these crazy things that really should be illegal, in my opinion, because uh, we know what's going on there. Everybody can see that if you you know, if it, you're, you're talking about sixteen hundred casualties on one side, twenty two thousand casualties on the other, mostly women and children. That's going to bother a lot of people. It, it bothers our kids. I went uh, my little one. We were I took her to the orthodox and we were going to stop and go to Starbucks. And she said, no, 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 we can't go to Starbucks. I said, why not? She said, because we're protesting Starbucks because of the war in the Middle East. I said, good for you. You should stand up for what you believe in. I respect that, right? She, so we're raising intelligent young black women up in this house. That's that's our goal. Uh, so, so anyway... So, so, so this happens, right? So, so what ends up pushing Dr. Gay over the ledge is this accusation of plagiarism. Now, Dr. Gay, from I'm gonna give you perspective, scholar to scholar. I believe her, I believe her work was in economics. I got to double check to see what her PhD was in, but I believe she studied economics. And uh, and I'm in finance. Finance is like a sibling to economics. Finance is pretty much applied economics, right? So so I know good stuff when I see it. I know quality work when I see it. And let me tell you, Harvard has a couple of people, uh, a couple of black people there that I really admire. Both of whom got royally screwed. One is Dr. Claudine Gay, and the other one is a brother. Um, I don't know why his name is not in my head right now. I'm, I'm looking for it. What is his name again? Oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. I brought him up in a podcast. Somebody, if y'all know him, please put his name in here. He's, he's in economics and he's super smart and I can't remember his name right now. I should have wrote it down. Anyway, but these two scholars were very, very good. And in both cases, each of them kind of got screwed. Each of them not only got screwed professionally, but their... Um, 
their uh, their reputations were ruined in the process, right? Like they literally were assaulted. Like racism is 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 traumatic. You know, it's professionally traumatic. Give me a guess if you've ever gone through something that was just so blatantly unfair that you just felt traumatized after. Like you could you had a hard time trusting white folks again. You you were mad as hell. You just you know I I, I don't know if anybody else goes through that. But let me see what what was his name? Oh my gosh. Um. Um. Oh, I, I got I got to Google his name because I should know his name. He won the John Bates. Roland Fryer. That's his name. Roland Fryer. Dr. Roland Fry, smart guy. I have so much respect for his work. Now, I think I think he also married, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he married a lady from like Czechoslovakia or something. I don't know. But but yeah, so so again, that sticks with my trend and my pattern that I mentioned earlier that uh, that marrying outside of your race is a great ticket to success. So if you want to uh, get opportunities within some of these institutions, don't hang out with people like me. Don't marry another Boyce Watkins. Go get you a white boy. Go get you a white woman, and maybe that'll get you where you want to get to. I personally don't want to do that. Uh, I'm glad to be married to a woman who's Gary, Indiana, black. Uh, But then again, maybe there's some people who care more about their career than they care about their culture. I have no idea. But anyway, Roland Fryer, though, uh, what's interesting, though, is that when you see these situations, this is what I see. I'm going to be honest and raw with you. And I don't I don't you know, I may offend people, but I can't apologize for that. Um, Sometimes those opportunities that you get. Become like a deal with the devil. They become a deal with the devil, and uh, and so they they so you're you're Roland Fryer, you are Claudine Gay, you're at Harvard. That's you're living the dream, so to speak. The the this is the false dream that's fed to you uh, through integration and this uh, this false idea that somehow black people are better human beings when we get to hang out with white folks uh, in their institutions instead of building institutions of our own. So you're Claudine Gay, you're Roland Fryer, you're living the dream. Uh, you know, you, you don't like people like me because people like me get you in trouble. You think that that people like me are being radical and <clears throat> excuse me, and that we're old fashioned by talking about race. And uh, and and you're doing really well. Right. Like Roland, I think he won the John Bates Clark Medal in economics, which goes to the best economist in the country under the age of 40. Bad boy. God bless him. So he gets this multimillion dollar lab. I'm sure he came with a great salary. And then suddenly out of the blue. Uh, the Me Too movement hits him with some allegations that he is creating a, a hostile work environment and and making the making women uncomfortable. Now, I, I, what does that mean? I don't know. I didn't see any specifics, and that's the problem. It's very ambiguous. You know, making a white woman uncomfortable—that's kind of one of those things. Like, what does that mean? Like, you make me uncomfortable too. Do you think that I, as a black man, yes or no? Yes or no? Do you think that I, as a black man, have the right and ability to sue and get money because I feel that a white female made me uncomfortable? In fact, let me ask you another question. How many of you have ever been in a work environment where the white people there made you uncomfortable? Anybody? Give me a yes in the chat. If you've ever had a job where there was a white woman who was asking too many questions about your business, a white man who said some things that got on your nerves, or white folks on your job who disrespected you because you were black. Give me a yes if you've ever been made uncomfortable. right? Um, And and I want to ask that question because I don't understand that. I did not understand what happened with Roland. It was like, oh, well, they, well, he made us uncomfortable. And I've seen that. I saw this with another scholar. I helped him on his case. He was a scholar, a PhD that had a 20-year track record of exceptional work. And one of his white female students simply reported that he made me uncomfortable. And he was like, so they came to him and they said, you're under investigation. He said, well, f- for what? And they said, well, under Title IX rules, we can't tell you why. He said, okay, well, who is my accuser? I have a right to face my accuser, right? 
They said, well, no, under Title IX rules, uh, we, we can't tell you who your accuser is. So this poor man had to live a year under extreme stress. This is PTSD. I mean, this 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 literally, I, I really think he had symptoms of PTSD because he was so traumatized. He said, what did I do wrong? And, and, and the thing is, you didn't do anything wrong. The, the, the fact is that when I looked at his university, I said, you've got to notice there's a reason why your university has hundreds of professors on that campus. And not one of them is African-American. They have not hired one single African-American male on the entire campus. So so, so there's, a, there's a, a history here. There's a racism here that often gets ignored. But instead, they'll shine a spotlight on your imperfections, but won't even say a word about their own. And so I think that with Harvard, I think that what's interesting is that I used to think Harvard was the place that held all the smart people. Uh, I used to think it was a place that was uh, worthy of being bragged about. I don't feel that way anymore uh, because I remember when uh, Elena Kagan was nominated for the Supreme Court uh, by Barack Obama. He promised uh, Dorothy Heidi to nominate a black woman, but instead he had nominated Elena Kagan, who checked a lot of boxes. Uh, she was Jewish and she was white and she was or she was a woman. She was from Harvard. And some thought that maybe she might be from the LGBT community. Uh, and uh, and so anyway, I remember uh, that they were asking me to support this. Right. Someone from the White House literally called me, I guess, because I'm in some sort of influencer or something. I get well, I have over a million subscribers on different YouTube channels. So I guess I have a little bit of influence. I don't think about it like that, but whatever. OK, so they called me and they were trying to get me to support this nomination. And I said, why? Why? Why should I support this? What, what has this lady done for black people? Well, well, she she holds the Thurgood Marshall chair. Uh, in, in, in the law school, in the, the Thurgood Marshall chair is named after Thurgood Marshall. I said, so what? what? What has she done to improve the lives of black people, at least done something for the students at Harvard? And what we found out when we investigated was that this lady had hired as the dean of the Harvard Law School. She had hired 31 people and not one single one of those people was an African-American. I said, I said, you do understand that the KKK could not have a worse hiring record than this lady. Right. I, I said, you do realize that David Duke couldn't do a work. He, his number, you can't go lower than zero when it comes to hiring, unless she's going around firing black people, which she might've done that. And I said, so, so you must think black people are just flat out stupid. You must think our IQ is zero. Why in the world? Maybe, or maybe you're just so used to in your little white supremacist mind, you're used to us getting behind stuff that does not benefit us. And if you read books like Powernomics, this is why Dr. Claude Anderson is a national treasure. If we read books like Powernomics and Black Labor, White Wealth, he explains the origin of this line of thinking. The origin of this line of thinking is that as Black people, your job is not to engage in activities that serve your purpose, you're not supposed to spend your life doing things that benefit your community. You're not supposed to spend your time doing things that benefit you. You are here for the, 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 for the benefit of other people. You are the original artificial intelligence. The way AI is supposed to benefit humanity, well, you, you're, supposed, you're here to pretty much benefit other people. You're supposed to work for them. You're supposed to spend your money with them. You're supposed to, to support them in any way that you can. Go in debt to them so that you can work for their businesses, go to their schools, and attend their institutions. But, but when you show up and say, no, I, I don't want to go to your school. I want to own a school. They say, well, that's crazy. What? That's crazy talk. What, what do you mean? You bl black people running a school. Black people are supposed to run. Well, well, white people run thousands of schools. Why can't I run a, run a school? Or you say, well, I don't want to go to your university. I'm going to create a camp. I'm going to create my own space, right? We have something called the Black Business School. We have a, 162,000 students around the world. And, and the people say, well, that's not real. That ain't that ain't, that ain't ain't as good as a, as a regular. And so I said, so, okay, so if I'm on the faculty at Yale or Harvard or when I was at Syracuse University, 
you took my PhD seriously. But when I say let's build a black owned institution, that's literally like me saying that I want to ride my bicycle to Mars. Like you really are so infected with this virus called white supremacy that you truly don't believe that a black man is capable of doing the same thing that a white man does. That, that's what you believe. That's how you think. So, so rather than stepping out on your own and building things on your own, you tag along onto things that are already pre-built uh, and you believe the myth of white superiority. That's what happens. So, so you go to Harvard and they give you a nice job and you're making good money and then they treat you like a Negro. Then they 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 disrespect you. Uh, they they uh, Rolling Fryer ended up being um, treated almost like a sex offender at that school. They literally banned this man for two years with no pay. You banned me from campus for two years with no pay. Treat me like I'm Charlie the child molester, or you somehow banned me like I'm Jeffrey Dahmer or something. I ain't never coming back. I ain't never coming. Back. I I have. I, I'm sorry. I, maybe you're not used to black people having self-respect, but I got places to go where people love me and respect me. I'm not. No, you're not going to ban me for two years with no pay and tell me I can't even come on campus like I'm some sort of a threat to the students and then expect me to come back with my tail between my legs apologizing. Why? Why? There's nowhere you can go. There's nowhere you can be and maintain your dignity. That is as disrespectful as it gets. And so what they're leaning on is your desperation, your desperate hope that that if you cling on to them, they'll somehow create some tiny little space for you. And, and it's it's horrible. I think Roland Fryer is a great economist and his reputation was ruined. Now he's looked at as a predator, right? <laughs> Claudine Gay. Let's go to her. So Claudine Gay, the first black female president of Harvard University, hit the thumbs up button, by the way. Uh, please hit the thumbs up button. The first black female president of Harvard University worked her butt off to get there, made straight A's her whole life, you know, got, got her PhD, did, did everything right. Suddenly, she's made to look like a quack. She's getting all this pressure from this billion-dollar donor, Bill Ackman, who's mad, basically mad at her because she won't co-sign on whatever Israel wants to do. That's what it's all about. So they create this whole idea that somehow she's been um, – you know, scandalously plagiarizing her way through the career, which which feeds into the narrative of black people being unqualified. This is why you have to be careful about diversity, equity and inclusion spaces, because they bring you in just so they can sit there and gossip about how you only got the job because you're black. I'm not saying that DEI programs are bad. I'm not saying that I'm against affirmative action. In fact, I'd be a hypocrite if I said that I was because I benefited from affirmative action. But let me tell you, when I was an affirmative action hire at Syracuse University, first of all, I, I was a damn good hire because I was a bad son of a bitch. I was damn good at what I do. Again, I, I was joking with y'all. I said the same way Cat Williams is great at telling jokes, I'm great at I was great at finance. I was the only African-American on the planet to get a Ph.D. in finance in the year 2002, male or female. There was no black woman, no black man anywhere in the United States for sure that had that same degree. And I know why it was hard as hell. My wife is a badass. Let me tell you about my wife. We got to brag about smart black women. I know y'all men out here trying to disrespect our women. You ain't going to do that. My wife was such a badass. I'm not making this up. This is a true story. She came into her PhD program and literally there were five other black students. And do you guess how many of those other students actually finished and made it to the finish line? Zero, zero out of all five or there were the five or six of them total and all of them fell off. 
all of them got knocked down somewhere. And a lot of it was very unfair. A lot of it was racial bias. Uh, and the thing is that you get in these spaces and the bias is there and there's nothing you can really do about it. You try, you, you, you speak on it, whatever. And all that does is make you into more of a troublemaker. So, so, so my point is to say that, that, you know, I remember being hired as an affirmative action hire at Syracuse. And so they bring me in and, uh, and it was nice. Like they paid me a decent amount of money and all that, but I get there and there's no support. I had no mentors. I had nobody to turn to. I don't know how the hell your politics works. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, one advantage my wife had is that her father was a, a great professor at Tuskegee University. His name was Dr. Francis Taylor. And Dr. Taylor was such a badass. This is, this is why this is why I tell you all when I tell you all about relationships and marriage and all that, we tend to marry our parents or, or date our parents. That's what the, the, all the therapists say. And so uh, so I'm a professor just like my wife's father. And let me tell you what a badass Dr. Taylor was. This is the kind of black man I can relate to. He got offers from white universities when he finished his doctorate. He went to the University of Louisville, finished his PhD. And when he got done, University of Louisville offered him a job. Uh, Boston University offered him a job. He told them no. He said, why in the hell would I want to be around people who don't respect me and don't like me? I don't want to be in a space where I'm tolerated. I want to be in a space where I'm celebrated. I don't want to be in a space where people are barely letting me in. I want to be in a space where I can have a chance to flourish and, 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 and be great. I, I don't want to be in a space where I'm contributing to other people's community. I want to contribute to my own. So, so what Dr. Taylor did was he went back to Tuskegee and he spent 35 years on the faculty at Tuskegee University educating thousands of our people. And this was not a guy who took the job be because white folks didn't want him. He took the job because that was the best job for a black man to take. Do you understand? The best thing a black person can do is to spend time with black people. And so I, I heard somebody say, well, maybe since Claudine Gay has been rejected by Harvard, she'll come to an HBCU. And I was talking to another scholar named Dr. Tashi yesterday, and Dr. Katashi, her doctorate's in communications and mass media, and she said, no, I, it, black people should not be your second choice. There, there's nothing, there's nothing, uh, there, there's nothing admirable about the fact that your self-esteem is so low that you will go into a space where they will pimp slap you around and abuse you and discredit you and destroy you and have you begging to come back in. I would love to talk to Roland Fryer and, and try to understand how in the hell is it that they treat you like a predator, ban you from campus, tell you you can't even, from what I'm saying, he couldn't even interact with the people in the lab for a couple of years or something crazy like that. And you still, you mean you really came back? Are you really that desperate? What is it that makes you come back to that abusive relationship anyway? So, so I personally think that as, as black people, we got to check our self-esteem. I really do. I think that we have to sort of think this through. This is a family conversation right now, right? So, so, so here's the thing. Okay, so Dr. Gay, hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, share, subscribe. And I want to remind you guys, uh, every morning we're doing financial reflections, uh, fin almost like financial meditations in our financial consciousness training. Uh, it's the first ever financial consciousness training ever done. Uh, this idea came from our black financial therapy department, uh, where we're working with the best therapists uh, in America to understand the psychological barriers to building black wealth. 
If you'd like to join us in the mornings, uh, we're, we're going through our workbook called 30 Days to Black Wealth and Power. Feel free to go to drboyceelevate.com and you can get instant access to all the recordings, everything you missed. And uh, also you get access to the book and stuff like that. Uh, it costs about $2.99, but, but it's discounted to about $1.19. So if you go to drboyceelevate.com, you can join us. We meet tomorrow morning and every morning for the first 30 days of the year. Okay, so feel free to do that. All right, so, so when Dr. Gay gets pressured out by Bill Ackman, the guy who controls the money. Uh, and, and he's right. He understands how economic power works. He just does. You know, I, I that's a part that I actually, I don't like him, but I respect him, right? Because he understands that, look, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have and how smart you think you are. If I've got money and you don't, I have a certain amount of power that you don't have. So uh, effectively, Ackman uh, puts the pressure on Dr. Gay. Uh, the uh, plagiarism allegation comes out against Dr. Gay and Dr. Gay eventually folds her hand and walks away. Well, lo and behold, turns out that uh, that the wife of Bill Ackman is a professor at, was a professor at MIT. And uh, Bill Ackman's wife, let me see if I can find her name. I, I should have her name in front of me. But uh, but she was uh, at MIT, and her name is Neri Oxman. And Neri Oxman, uh, it turns out that she also, surprise, surprise, plagiarized on her dissertation. So uh, if, if Dr. Gay is a cheater, then so is Bill Ackman's wife. And Bill Ackman was the guy who basically said that if you plagiarize, you're, you're not worthy of the position that you have. He said they kicked students out for doing less. There's no way this person should be allowed to receive a faculty salary and, and, and this important job if they are plagiarizing, right? So, so this is the whole mess. The whole message is, look, we, I told you the black girl wasn't qualified. Here's proof. Let's get her out of here. And uh, but then uh, he's confronted with the fact that his own wife did the same damn thing. His wife also must not be qualified because she, too, plagiarized on her dissertation. Now, uh, when they investigated Dr. Gay at Harvard, the, uh, the the Harvard board concluded that it wasn't a big deal. Uh, now, was it a big deal? I don't know. I did not go into the details of exactly how she plagiarized, et cetera. Uh, I do know that both of them likely violated the handbook, right? They, like I know that they had the, the the MIT handbook on dissertations, and and uh, for the uh, for uh, uh, Ackman's wife, they said that you're supposed to put certain statements in quotations, and she did not do that. So uh, so that that was pretty blatant. But what's interesting to me is this. Let me ask y'all. Let me ask y'all a real question right now, and I want you to, everybody to answer this question. And then in a couple minutes, I'm gonna give you the stock that I like because uh, I know I promise you that. Do you think that's fair? How, how many of y'all think that's unfair? Give me a yes or no. Do you think that's that's fair that when the black girl gets caught plagiarizing, allegedly, she loses her job, but when the white girl gets caught plagiarizing, it's it's a different story. You know, he he overlooks that. He's he doesn't he doesn't get um as upset about that. What do y'all think? Do y'all think that's fair? Is that right? Did they do her dirty, y'all? Was that was that wrong? What do y'all think? Of course, it's not fair. Of course, it's, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, of course, it's not fair. Right? What planet you live on, if you think this is fair, this ain't fair. This is mighty white of her. This is white privilege. This is white privilege 101. Every diversity, equity, equity and inclusion textbook will tell you that this ain't right, um, that they did her dirty. This ain't cool. Uh, and uh, and I agree with you 100 percent. But this is this is where I stand. Where I stand is. um I need you to understand that life ain't fair. Life ain't fair. And and one of the 
things that they crippled you in your own education when you were growing up as a kid learning about all these fairy tales from the civil rights movement about how integration was the most wonderful thing that ever happened to you is that you were being sucked into a, a very comfortable lie that makes you extremely vulnerable in a capitalist society. They were drugging you the entire time. They were drugging you so they could assault you your whole entire life. They were gassing your head up with visions of sugar plums of racial equality and all this fairness and equity that you thought you were going to receive. They were they were feeding you the myth that if you work hard and go to school and do everything right, that there's going to be a wonderful job waiting for you, that you're going to be the first black whatever to get some position at some big fancy white institution and you could call your mama and say, look, mama, I made it. Look at me. Look at how special I am. That was all a damn lie. See, here's the thing. I don't agree with Ackman at all. I think Ackman's a prick. I don't like what he did. But let me tell you this. I understand why Ackman, why the rules are different for a Bill Ackman than they are for you. What you think, what you, what you think's going to happen? You think he's going to get his wife fired? You think his wife's going to go get fired from her job? No, you think it's what, 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 what do you think is going to happen? Like, what does fairness look like to you? This woman is married to a billionaire. She's married to a man who runs his own business. I don't know about Claudine Gay's husband. I mean, she's got a, a, a melanin deficient husband. Maybe he's got some clout power. I, I have no idea. But whatever it is, the rules for people who own assets in America are not the same as the people who provide the labor. That's the key point. I don't care how much education you got. I don't care how many degrees you have or how long you went to school. If you don't own and control anything, you typically have very little leverage within institutions uh, that where you're not providing the funding. See, Ackman is able to come into Harvard and MIT and Penn and write letters and get people fired because he's writing the checks that are building their buildings. He's helping to fund their operations. The person who writes the check makes the rules. It ain't about right and wrong. It ain't about fairness. Ain't no fairness. You come in the house of Boyce Watkins and Dr. Alicia Watkins, ain't no fairness going to apply in this house. You're not going to get treated the same as I treat my wife. I will protect and defend my wife in ways that I will not defend a stranger. You are not, you can't come in the house and say, well, well, you know, the, 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 one of your children got the big piece of chicken. I should get a piece of chicken the same size. The hell you are. This ain't your house. You don't pay no bills up in here. You, but in your house, you can have all the chicken you want. But in my house, my children eat first. I'm sorry. I love you. You're nice. If we have scraps, if we have a couple scraps, we'll, we'll feed you because I know you're hungry and I know, I know you're desperate because you're, you're, apparently your own family didn't love you enough to cook you anything, right? That's how they look at us when we're in the when we're in their institutions. It's like going to somebody else's house and we're like, please give me some scraps of food because my own family hated my guts so much that they did not have an economic plan for me and they threw me out here broke, starving, butt naked with nowhere to go and I just need anything you can offer for me. So if you let me sleep in the basement, please, Massa, just let me sleep in the basement and eat, eat the extra food that's left over. I'll eat with the dog. I'll eat the food on the floor with the dog. And and, and the, the other thing about that is that when you are in such a position where you have no leverage, 
no bargaining power, nowhere to go, no options. You are in a position where you bet not never stand up for nothing. You bet not never buck up on me. You bet not ever act like you calling the shots up in here. You bet not ever confront me about nothing because the minute that you do, I'm going to flick your ass up out of my house because I pay the bills in this place. That's what you're dealing with in America when you are black, even when you're highly educated and all you've been trained is how to go work for white people. That's what you're doing. You're coming in into these institutions and it ain't your fault. This is how they, this is the financial STD that we pass to our children. This is the financial STD we pass to our children. We, we train our kids to go into these institutions. Pay attention now. You're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, you have no, you have not learned how to transfer your skills to do anything other than whatever job you're doing. A lot of PhDs go through this. You're trained to do one thing and you don't know how to do anything else. Um, you don't have any savings. You don't have it because that's not part of your culture. You don't have any investments or assets because nobody was investing for you. You don't have real estate. You don't have anything to fall back on. You don't have anything to anything that allows you to stand up for anything. And then you, and then all you have is, is victimhood that's it that's your your only weapon is victimhood and it's not a great weapon your weapon is like well you know they doing these dirty they always doing us wrong look at what they doing to black people that ain't right that ain't right well if it ain't right then why aren't you taking all that excess energy and instead of using that energy to complain why don't you use that energy to develop institutions of your own because when you are running the business you get to make the rules so at the end of the day, all you really saw here with, with Ackman and Claudine Gay is you have a scholar in Claudine Gay who's living in this fantasy world. Academia is good for building little fantasies. Uh, this fantasy world where, where all that matters is that you work hard and that you're smart and that you, you're a good person and you and you do the right thing and all. She's living in that fantasy world. Ackman lives in a world where that the, the person who writes the check gets to define the morality of that space. The, the the fact that he has a billion dollars means he can turn up to down, right to left, good to bad. He can define, he can go in and say, anybody who disagrees with me is anti-Semitic. And you say, well, why is that true? That's not right. Well, because I said so. Because I I because without because if you disagree with me, you won't get to eat this week. Or or you're you're not going, or I'm going to take away my hundred million dollar donation. That's what economics does. Economics gives you that ability. Um, and this is something that happens to us all the time. We are constantly attacked by economic warfare. It allows the person who controls the purse strings to shape the space within which other people operate. So like when you're watching Cat Williams, uh, you know, just doing an ether on every other comedian who gets opportunities that he doesn't get. And he's bragging about who got the most Netflix specials and all this other stuff. And and, and I, I told you all, don't watch this as as a black person who is on level one. I want you to imagine you're the president or the CEO of Netflix. Imagine you're the, the president of Warner Brothers. You're watching this and you know that because you write the check, because you have access to capital, you can decide which black people are going to be the most popular in the black community. If I control Netflix I and I have an agenda, let's say my agenda is the gay agenda or the Israeli agenda or whatever agenda, then what I can do is I can go find a black person who's desperate for money and say, I will pay you money as long as you're as long as we put this in your movie, this in your movie, this in your movie or whatever. And, and if you don't agree, then guess what? Your movie won't get made because you won't get funded. I won't write that check for you. 
So you come along and you say, okay, whatever you want. And next thing you know, you're the most popular person in the black community, but you have been compromised. Why? Well, because somebody else was writing that check because you never learned how to write your own checks. You never trained your kids on any of that. These are not, these are not hard things to learn. These are, these are actual concepts that can be done. The, the hard part though, the, the reason that it's tough to teach this is because it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, you can, you can, it's, you can get a position pretty quickly in somebody's institution, but it takes a while to build that institution. So, so the community, what the black community really needs, if you really want freedom, if you really want fairness, you're going to have to learn how to build your own institutions. If you, if you never commit to that, that sacrifice, that long-term investment, then you're always going to have these debates. You're always going to be, you're always going to be sitting around with your friends complaining about how white people are doing you dirty. And, and this is one of the things that I really think has to, shift in our narrative as black people. We got to stop celebrating integration as this wonderful achievement, this wonderful thing that happened. Uh, in fact, I was talking to Dr. Ken Harris, who runs the Black Business League, where they have hundreds of Black-owned businesses all around the country. And, and he was talking about Booker T. Washington. And, and according to Dr. Harris, I, he said it, and it made a lot of sense. He said, in school, we're trained to almost vilify Booker T. Washington like he was some kind of a sellout. And we glorify the integrationist mindset. Where Booker T, he said, no, Booker T said, you know, uh, build your own, you know, build, develop your own institutions, have your own stuff. You can still partner with other people. There's nothing wrong with working with white people. I'm not saying that we need to disassociate. I'm, I've never said that. I've just simply said there's a difference between me, me engaging with you when I have my own stuff versus me engaging with you when I'm begging for your stuff. And so I want you to look around and ask yourself, when you see Harvard University and Yale and Stanford, do you see black owned institutions? I'm not talking about the HBCUs. A lot of those HBCUs can't even pay their own bills. They can't. That's why they can't do what they want to do. They, they, in fact, most HBCU programs don't even have solid programs on entrepreneurship. They don't create builders. They were built in. They were most of them were started by white people. And the goal of the of many of the HBCUs was to create more black people to go work for white owned businesses. So the, the structure in America was designed that you would be the laborer and they will be the owner of capital. Right. So in order for you to shift that, you're going to have to shift your mindset. This is why books like Powernomics should be required reading for every black person in this country. Uh, also, you should have every black child in America learn how to start a business by the age of 12. This is the plan, by the way. I don't I don't I don't whine and complain about a problem. I, I, I strategize. I make plans. Uh, no, every black child in America should learn how to start a business by the age of 12, just in case they need to. Uh, number three. This three fingers. There we go. Number three, uh, every child should have somebody investing for them in the stock market before they are born or right after they're born. If you simply make small investments in the stock market on autopilot, I'm talking about tiny amounts of money, less money than you spend on your cell phone bill. Your child will have enough resources so that when they get in their 20s, they will never have to do anything that they're not comfortable doing. They'll always have a plan B. They'll always have liquid assets. They'll never be so desperate for a job that they'll just do something that's degrading. They'll never be in a tough situation because they don't have enough money. These things are extremely important and we have to have a plan. So uh, I bring up Ackman and I bring up Claudine Gay to highlight the unfairness. Do I think that Dr. Gay got screwed? Absolutely. I don't think it was right. I thought it was messy. It was a it was I, I wish she hadn't caved. I, I really I really do, because uh, I do agree with her. But at the end of the day, man, if you don't learn the, how to play the game, uh, you're, you're, we're always going to struggle. Ackman in the Jewish community, as mad as we might get because of what's happening in the Middle East, they know how to play the game. 
They strategically teach their children how to own assets, how to build institutions. That's why uh, it's hard to go. When I sat with Kanye West for all those hours and I'm talking to his financial people and I get a note saying JP Morgan is giving you 24 hours to take your $120 million out of their bank or they're going to send you a cashier's check for $120 million. I was sitting there and, and I was thinking about the fact that he picked a fight with the wrong people. And I said, if you if you pick this fight, you better be ready because they 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 have their weapons locked and loaded. They ain't scared of you. They they ready to deal with you. And they're going to deal with you through economic warfare. So we must learn this as a community if we are to survive. Most of our people are never going to get it. A lot of our people are never going to have wealth or resources. A lot of our people don't want to listen to a corny guy like me. But I'm talking to the people that understand where I'm coming from. You are the leaders. You are the talented 10th. You are the canaries in the mine. You are the ones I'm depending on. You are the economic soldiers. You are giving birth to the economic soldiers that will be ready to fight back in the next generation. And here's the thing. You don't have to have a billion dollars like Bill Ackman in order to fight back. You just have to have somewhere to go. You don't have to have a, an institution as powerful as Harvard University. You just have to have something of your own. You don't have to necessarily have what they got. You just got to have something that is that represents what you got. So economic success should never be measured by how much money you make or how fancy your position is or what kind of car you drive or what kind of apartment you have. Economic success should be measured largely by wealth. What do you own? What do you control? What do you have that is yours? If you can answer those questions effectively, then I guarantee you, you will have far less stress than people who are struggling barely trying to get by. And it's not just black people. They're doing this to a, a large number of Americans. That's why it's so difficult to, for people to understand what I'm talking about here. But I know you guys get it because that's why you're listening. That's why I appreciate you. Thank you for hearing me out. So if you could, please hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Uh, don't forget this podcast is on Spotify. So if you go to Spotify and Apple, look up my name, Boyce Watkins. You can find it there. I have a new book out called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. If you go to drboycebooks.com, you can get a copy there. Uh, that's drboycebooks.com. So feel free to go there. Use the code word book club. You get 30% off anything in the store. We also have financial flashcards for kids, financial workbooks, all kinds of stuff. So feel free to go take a look. Um, do I think that Barack Obama received hate mail? Of course he did, right? But he knew it came with the territory. Barack was not a bad president. You know, he's, I mean, I don't, I don't hate the guy. Um, I just don't think that's the solution that's going to get us where we want to get to. Uh, so the stock that I like is uh, the ticker symbols MBLY, MBLY, M as in Mary, B as in boy, L as in lantern, Y as in yellow. And uh, the company's Mobile Eye Global, Mobile Eye Global. I'm going to buy shares of MBLY tomorrow. So uh, feel free to take a look at that. And, uh, and again, this is not investing advice, but this is a stock that I believe uh, would be a good addition to your portfolio for the next three to five years. Uh, remember, investing is a long game. It's not where you're going to see the stock double in the next two weeks. Investing is uh, a long term perspective. So MBLY is a stock that I'm adding to my portfolio. So feel free to take a look at that. If you'd like to get the profit alert sent to you via text, text the word stock to 89748 and I will hit you up uh, when we do more profit alerts or when things are 
are happening in the Black Business School. Just text the word STOCK to 89748. And also, if you would like to uh, receive or join us for tomorrow's uh, financial consciousness training, you can go to drboyceelevate.com. That's drboyceelevate.com. So thank you guys for listening. God bless you. And I wish Claudine Gay the very, very best. And Roland Fryer or anybody, if you hear, if I said anything that was incorrect, you are all welcome to reach out to me. I would be more than happy to hear from you in private and in public uh, because I mean no harm in anything that I say, but my obligation is to tell the truth and that's where I live. So God bless you guys. Have a good one. I'll see you soon. Peace. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn it to intelligence. Believe none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Voice TV. Here we are.